Hello, forgiver. In today's episode, I am tackling a pretty sensitive topic, and I hope I can do it justice with love and compassion. The topic is this belief that, quote, good Christians have to forgive because God tells us to love our enemies. But is loving the same as forgiving? So many Christians who are still in the process of working through forgiveness get trapped in unhealthy relationships because they feel guilty about not loving their enemies, as Jesus exhorts us to do. Victims are often strongly encouraged to re-engage in relationships with offenders as their, quote, Christian duty to forgive. I'm going to dig into this passage in Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45. So grab a pen, a notebook, your favorite beverage, and I'll meet you on the other side of the intro. Hello, Forgiver. Welcome to the Forgiveness is for You podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Silva, Forgiveness Guide and Catholic Mindset Coach. I've spent 30 years in therapy for sexual, physical, emotional, and racial trauma, but therapy could only take me so far. I believe that there's freedom in forgiveness, but we cannot do it alone. Do you struggle forgiving yourself or others? Are you ashamed of what happened to you in the past? Do you harbor unforgiveness toward the adults who are supposed to protect you but didn't? Do you resent a whole class of people because you were discriminated against? On this podcast, we talk about all things forgiveness, what it is, what it's not, and how you can begin to forgive yourself, others, and God. Allow me to be your forgiveness guide. Let's begin. Friends, before I analyze this passage in the gospel, I just want to clarify that as a trauma coach, I'm specifically going to refer to individuals who have caused the harm in our trauma stories as the, quote, enemies in my explanation. This could be an abusive parent. It could be a spouse who has hurt us, a partner, or another family member, or even a friend. I am not talking about offenses committed by strangers. That's a topic for another day. So let's begin today's discussion. How many times have you heard about someone being pressured to forgive someone because you have to, quote, honor your parents or because it's your brother or sister, it's your dad or your mom, etc., etc.? The problem is victims enter into relationships that are not safe and don't honor their free will. Don't get me wrong. I created this podcast because I believe that forgiveness heals us and brings us into right relationship with God. But I do want to challenge the notion that we have to do it because someone else is guilt tripping us into being the quote, good Christian that we should be and to fulfill our quote, duty as a Christian. I want to challenge two concepts in this belief. The first one is the question of what it means to be a, quote, good Christian. I thought long and hard about this because you hear this term all the time. You know, you have to be a good Christian or you have to be a good Catholic. So I decided to have a little bit of fun with this. And since a lot of people are into AI these days, I went and consulted the Oracle of AI chat GPT to see what it would come up with for definitions of a good Christian. 
And I was actually quite surprised by what uh, it came up with. So here we go. Number one, a good Christian is someone who believes in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, his identity, and his role in salvation. Good Christians have love and compassion for God, others, and even their enemies. They are humble. They recognize their dependence on God and treating others with humility and respect. They engage in regular prayer and worship. They read the Bible. Christians believe in the Bible as their source of truth. For Protestants, the Bible is the only, the sole Sola Scriptura, the only source of their faith, whereas for Catholics, we have the Bible as well as tradition. Number six, I think, on my list, morality and ethics, honesty, integrity, and adherence to Christian principles. And is another point that ChatGPT spat out, Christians are kind, they're generous, and they engage in service. Christian believers believe that we are to forgive one another and emulate the grace and mercy that we have been given by God. They also are involved in the community and believe in working for the common good of society as a whole through our ministry to others. Of course, different Christian denominations will have their own computations of these particular standards, and there's probably a bunch more that I'm missing. Maybe you could add a couple more. All levity set aside, if I were to examine my own life, I would say that for the most part, if I measure myself against these standards, I could probably call myself a pretty darn, quote, good Christian. But saying this out loud makes me cringe. The comparison game element of holding myself up to these standards against other Christians is really, it feels pretty repulsive to me. As a Catholic, even hearing the term good Catholic can be quite cringeworthy. It's well and good to have standards, but when we start to define Christianity by a set of rules instead of a relationship with God, we're starting to miss the boat. So let's go back to basics. Let's drop the good in front of Christian and sit at the foot of the master, Jesus Christ. In Luke 18, verse 19, the rich official calls Jesus a good teacher, and he responds, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Jesus is basically saying we cannot earn grace. So let me reiterate, forgiveness heals us and it frees us, but it also has to be an act that is done in freedom and never under duress. So making someone believe that they somehow don't make the cut as a, quote, good Christian to get them to forgive is manipulative and it should stop. Let's take a look at the second part of the premise that so-called, quote, good Christians should love our enemies. What does Jesus mean when he exhorts us to love our enemies? I'm going to read the passage, Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. 
Does Jesus ask us to be in direct relationship with our enemies? What does love look like in this case? The answer is so simple and yet so profound. The love that Jesus refers to here is what we call agape love. And that's the kind of love that God infuses into our hearts when we are in a relationship with Him. We're not just following a set of rules. We're not just doing things so other people can look at us like we're quote-unquote good Christians. This is the love that St. Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians 13 that bears all things. Jesus gives us a way to express that love by saying, pray for those who persecute you. Simply put, praying for our enemies is loving them. Do we need to be in close relationship with someone when we pray for them? Absolutely not. Are we supposed to tolerate behavior that insults our inherent dignity? No. Jesus himself stated in Matthew 18 verse 6, Woe to the one by whom the stumbling block comes about those people who would tempt us to sin. What Jesus is asking of us here is to follow his lead and be merciful. But what does being merciful mean? It doesn't mean we have to submit to manipulation or abuse. We can love from a distance. It means we allow the person to experience the consequences of their actions if the consequence is a loss of a relationship due to the trauma, so be it. If we don't allow the offender to experience the consequences of their actions, we are depriving them of an opportunity for true repentance and a closer relationship with God. If they choose to suffer the consequences instead of manipulating us into carrying their shame for them. If you are in a situation where harm has been perpetrated against you, and you feel guilty for not having forgiven the offender and pressure from other people to forgive, know this. You have free will. God respects your free will. He will never ask you to do something that he has not already allowed his son to suffer and redeem. He gets you. Even if you've already forgiven the person in your heart and they want to be back in your life, you can ask yourself the following questions. Number one, am I mentally, physically, and emotionally safe with this person? In other words, can I be who I am naturally when I am around this person? Or do I have to hide parts of myself in order to be safe? Number two, is this person in the zone of manipulation? In other words, what are the ways and means this person is using to re-engage in the relationship with me? Number three, are they speaking directly to me and honoring my boundaries? Or are they using someone else to speak for them to get me to feel sorry for them? Number four, are they enticing me with promises they don't intend to keep? Number five, are their words and actions matching up? Number six, is my mental real estate being taken up by too many thoughts about them from the past? Number seven, are they using my own words against me when I set boundaries? Number eight, when I am around this person, do I revert to a younger version of myself through the activation of implicit memories that make me feel insignificant or like I have to walk on eggshells? How do I want to feel, number nine, 
when I'm in close relationship with this person? And number 10, do I experience strong negative emotions in the presence of this person or even when I hear their voice or when someone mentions their name? Friends, why don't we stop the comparison game and start calling ourselves Christian pilgrims on a journey to heaven? Let's allow each other to engage our free will in the work of forgiveness and ask the Holy Spirit to accompany us as we do the deep work of healing our hurts. One last thing before I go. Trauma is real, and our brains on trauma want to return to what's familiar, even if it's unhealthy. If you are not feeling pressure to engage from others, but you still have a strong sense of obligation to engage, identify the need that you are trying to fill by wanting to return to a dysfunctional relationship. Allow Jesus to fill that need within you with his supernatural agape love. Engage with me as your coach to hold space for you while you do this discovery work. Today's episode was a lot to take in. I hope that it is helpful to you and I will see you in the next episode. Please be tender with yourself. Forgiveness is serious business. May the grace of the Lord be with you as you contemplate what you learn today. If this podcast is making a difference in your life, please hit subscribe below and consider writing a review. Share the link with a friend, take a screenshot and share on your social media. Connect with me as your forgiveness guide. I will hold space for you as you work through your pain and rewrite your story. Sign up for my 5 Days to Forgiveness self-guided mini audio retreat at www.drkaren.com. Check out my website for how you can bring me to your church or small faith sharing group. And remember friends, forgiveness is for you.